0: We're glad to see you today. Thanks for hanging out with us here at The Journey. If this is your first time here, we'd love for you to fill out one of those connection cards. You can take that back to the tent that is outside, and for your card and information, we'll give you a T-shirt. So we'd love to know a little bit more about you. Uh, One of the things we like to say, try us for five weeks. Give us five weeks. If you like it, stick around. We'll get you plugged in. If you don't, we'll find you a church home. Uh, We'll make that guarantee for you. But uh, we're glad that you are here. Uh, Last week, you know, I started my message, and um, I was making fun of the Redskins, so um, I wanted to, uh, so a few of you threatened to leave if I didn't stop doing that, so I wanted to show you a picture. (laughs) That is me in a Redskins outfit, okay, but I did that for my soul. I gave my soul away one night so I could work on the field at the Cowboy Redskin game a few years back here at FedEx Stadium, so I was willing to put that mess on to go to a ball game so we, we even now all right you've seen it blackmail we're burning it all right here we go today we continue a series called greater and uh, as you can see here it's the story of a guy named Elisha uh, last week as we began this series we said that for many of us we're okay with good we like normal we like average and yet God has called us to greater things God says I'm, I'll give you greater things but you got to step out of the place that you're in to get to that we read that verse a little bit later, or a little bit earlier in our service from John chapter 14, verse 12. I want to look at that again. It says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. When Jesus is giving this statement, this teaching to his followers, he's saying, Look, here's the deal um, I've done some pretty great things. But you're going to do greater things than i have ever done and the reason was jesus was going back into heaven he was going to be gone and he was leaving all of this to them he said you guys here's the deal you're going to be pointing people to me you're going to be pointing people to eternity with god because of me you're going to do greater things than i have done but but you have to be willing to move from good to these greater things and so this whole series is looking at our own lives and who we are where we are in our normalness in our averageness, in our goodness, and moving that to greatness. Again, to a place that I believe that God has called us to. And we're looking at this, again, through the life of a guy named Elisha. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3, starting with verse 9. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry, we'll put it up here on the screens. Uh, you can open up your Journey Church app. You can follow along there on the notes page, or you can pull open... Your program. We're going to be looking at this chapter this morning. Second Kings chapter 3, starting with verse 9. Here's what it says. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves, or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked. Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Let me give a little bit of a setting for our story. We're going to put this map up here. And if you see, you can read this map, you'll see all these different kingdoms. What was really happening at this point in time, there were a bunch of little small empires all over the place. And yet with the kingdom of Israel, which is right here beside the Mediterranean Sea, and the kingdom of Judah, at one point in time, they were the kingdom of Israel. They were a huge empire, and under Saul and David and Solomon, I mean, this was a powerful, powerful place. But after Solomon's reign, things kind of split apart, and you had the northern kingdom. This was about 930 BCE. Um, You had the northern kingdom of Israel and then the southern kingdom of, of Judah. Well, before this had taken place, the kingdom of Israel used to get this tribute, this taxes paid from the kingdom of Moab to them. And the taxes that were paid, the tribute that was paid was sheep. Now, these weren't being paid anymore. They were getting sheep and they were getting wool. And the king of of Israel here is like, hey, I'm missing my lamb chops. Not only am I missing my lamb chops, this polyester blend's not working out for me real well. I'd like to have a little wool blend going on. And, And so he goes to the kingdom of Judah. The king of Judah's like, I need some help. I need to get those things back. They stopped paying this when the last king died. I need you to help me get it paid back. So the king of Israel, Joram, goes down to the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, says, let's work together. The king of Judah says, hey, great. You know what? We're the same people. In fact, it's the same heritage, same group of people. We're the same people. We'll help you out. And so they said, we're going to help you out. And the king of Judah says, I got a buddy down in the southern end, kingdom of of Edom. And they're pretty weak. So they'll do whatever I tell them to do. And so let's go down and talk to the king of Edom. Let's get him together with this. And then we'll go into Moab and fight. So they brought these three tribes together. Now the northern end of the king of Moab, which is the, the purple section here. On the northern end here was really where they were fortified. They had a stronghold there. So you didn't really want to fight them in that part, in that spot. So you'd come up through the southern end of Moab to fight. So you have these three kingdoms, all these warriors, the kings. They're coming up from the southern end of Moab to fight. Now part of the reason it wasn't fortified very much in the southern end of Moab was because it was wilderness it was healy it was there was trees it was it was rocky it was valleys i mean it was all kinds of different things so they didn't put a lot of a fault into protecting that area plus edom wasn't that strong so they weren't really worried about that they were worried about being attacked from the north end of their nation and so this is where we are within our strategy of what's taking place here within our story this morning well, as you can tell, as we were reading through here, it said there was this roundabout march that took place. Now, if you're from New Jersey, that doesn't mean they were going around a traffic circle over and over again, okay? Now, they, they were kind of lost. They, they were wondering, where are we? Not only that, but it was taking them a long time to get through this wilderness. And again, you've got these three big armies that are coming in here at the same time. And so they're, they've, taken, they've taken so many days, it's taken them about seven days, they run out of water. They don't have any more water to drink. So they're wondering, what are we going to do? What's going to happen to us in this place, in this moment? We're getting ready to fight. We've got this war that's getting ready to begin. And we're tired. And we've had a rough day. We've had a rough week. We don't have any more water. We're going to come here and we are going to lose all three of us to this one little country called Moab. So here's what happens, happens in our story. Verse 13. Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother no the king of israel answered because it was the lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of moab elisha said as surely as the lord almighty lives whom i serve if i did not have respect for the presence of jehoshaphat king of judah i would not pay any attention to you now it's kind of strange that elisha's intertwined with this group and he's actually there in this place with them but he has traveled to this this location with them, and as you can tell he doesn't like the king of Israel at all he doesn't like Joram uh Joram's a bad king Joram does not follow God and so for Elisha he's like dude I I don't want anything to do with you and so there's there's a little bantering that goes on here a little trash talking basically Elisha smack talking back to the king of Israel he's not worried about anything happening to him but it's something that he's learned uh, last week, we talked about how Elijah came to Elisha and said, I want you to follow me. Well, his coach, Elisha's coach, his mentor is that guy named Elisha, another pro- or Elijah, another prophet. And Elijah is known for his trash talking. There, there's a scene in his life, there's an altar. And um, the, the, the competition is the God of Israel, Elijah's God, versus the gods of, of Baal. And the idea is one of their gods or God has to start a fire on this altar. And so Elijah's like, you guys go first. I'll just, I'll just wait. Go ahead and go first. And so these prophets of Baal, they are chanting and screaming and yelling. They're even cutting themselves. They're, they're bleeding. They're doing everything they can to make their gods bring this fire on the altar. Nothing's happening. Elijah's kind of sitting there on a rock reading the paper. He's like, what's going on with your guys? Is he asleep? No, oh, and maybe he's, maybe he's not. Maybe, maybe he's on vacation. He's taking a break. He's on vacation. He didn't tell you. He'll be back in a few days. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. And then finally he says, I know what it is your God's on the toilet he'll be back when he's done I mean this is who Elijah is he trash talks these people and so Elisha has learned this from Elijah in their times that they have spent together but but what really is taking place here is the king of, of Israel Joram is asking a pretty pretty big question what is God doing where is God See, the the king of Israel is blaming God for the predicament that these armies find themselves in. He doesn't give God the credit when things are going good. I think it's the reason that Elisha struggled with him. There was that tension that was there. You don't follow God when things are good, but now all of a sudden things are bad, and what are you doing? You're blaming God. You're angry at God. God, where are you in this? And Elisha's response is, oh, now, now in this moment, Now you need God. And so there's this bantering that goes back and forth between these two. As we look at this particular section of our story this morning, um, I think it really connects with who you and I are. When life is tough, what do we tend to do? We tend to blame God. When things aren't going our way, we tend to blame God. When we're struggling in our life, we tend to blame God. God, what are you doing? God, where are you? God, why aren't you helping me in this moment? We tend to blame God. God, why did you let me move to this area, knowing that I was going to lose my job? Why would you do that to me? Why would you do that to my family? God, why would you let me be with someone that you knew would leave me? They just, they just walked up and left. Why, why would you do that, God? Why would you do that to me? God, why... Why would you let me put my money into that account? I mean, I prayed about this. I felt like this was the right thing to do, and now there's nothing left. There's nothing there. God, why why would you do that to me? Or for me, God, why would you let me marry a Redskins fan? I don't know why you would do that. (laughs) Pure evil right there. But these are questions that we ask. We like to blame God when things are tough, but how many times do we give God credit when things are good in our lives? I mean, what we see happening here is is what you and i experience but let me say this first god doesn't do anything to us okay um we think god does but we talked a few weeks ago about the beginnings of chaos the beginnings of, of sin and we said that that is where what we experience today is where that began that because of that we're in the place that we are today the things that we experience how life happens to us it's all about that god doesn't make that happen moments like this where we have um tragedies and disasters that are going on i don't know how many times i hear people who are christians say god brought this upon a nation or people please know that is horrible theology god does not do that it's life it's the the weather patterns the weather systems we can't control that god doesn't control that it happens it's what we do with with that when it's over with it is so important God doesn't do things to us, but I will tell you this, God is with us in those moments. That when we struggle, when we're hurting, when that pain is there, when we have that burden that we're carrying, God is right there with us every single moment. But here's what we like to do. God, why are you making that happen? Why are you doing this to me? And then when things turn around, do we go back and say, thank you, God? Thanks for what you did. Thanks for helping me. Thanks for the good things that are happening with my life. Again, like the king here, we like to blame God. And very rarely do we like to give God credit. And Elisha kind of asks that question, why do you need God now at this moment? You don't need God at any other moment except for now. Again, very much like you and I. So Elisha has been asked to do something, to get God involved with this. And then we see what he does in verse 15. He says, but now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. Elisha is, uh, he's peeved. He, he's upset. He, he's not having a, a very good day at this particular moment. So what does he ask for? Some tunes, right? Nothing better to get you into an emotional moment, to get you where you need to be, than, than having some tunes that, that are playing around you. And in fact, if you look at Scripture, a lot of times the prophets, when they were in this moment of trying to connect with God, they would ask for some music. And so he, he asked for a harpist. And I've actually uh, got a harpist who's going to come up and play this morning, more like a guitar. But... Um, <laughs> kind of close. There's strings involved. Adam's going to come up here, and I've got a little thing that we're going to do together. We haven't, we haven't practiced this at all, so we'll see what takes place. But anyway, think about music for a moment. What does music do? Music engages us, doesn't it? It, it interacts with us. Um, when you work out, I see very few people who do not listen to something, right? Whether it's a podcast or music. You, you got your earbuds in. You're lifting weights. You're, you're grunting. Whatever it is you do. You're running. You look like you're getting ready to have a heart attack out there, but you do it anyway because it's supposed to be good for you. But you listen to music. Some of you at work, you listen to music when you're working, um, when you relax on the back porch with a lemonade in your hand, whatever it is you choose to drink. You're sitting on the back porch. What are you doing? Music's playing. Music puts us into this mode. There's this feeling. There's this emotion that is a part of it. This is the power that music has in our life. And so like I said, you know, Adam and I are going to do a little something this morning. We'll see what happens. But um, so Adam, play us some uh, celebratory music. Celebratory music. Uh, uh great that's wonderful 137 beats per minute wow this might not go quite like we had planned it I mean we didn't plan anything sorry we didn't plan this there we go that's good that's good and relaxing right you kind of sit around the porch doing that how about some sappy like notebook type music oh can't you see Ryan Gosling just running no shirt on Adams, yeah, exactly. Woo. I remember too much of that movie. How about something festive? I'm gonna read something while he's playing today for lunch. I'm gonna go to Chipotle. When I get there, I'm gonna order. Actually, mix those two. I don't know if you do that or not but you can do that. For my protein, I would like a little chicken. Oh, and I would like the mild and medium salsa. Plus a scoop of that corn salsa. You can hold the cheese, please. But of course, pile on the guacamole. And before you ask, I know that cost me an extra dollar seventy-five. Throw in some chips and a regular drink. I'm gonna have an amazing meal. Just ordering food. A little music in the background. It brings a little emotion to it, right? It's not as boring going up in a line like I like a chicken a bowl, you know, next. And, you know, just keep going down. There's something to it. That's why we like music playing in the background. That's why we love it being a part of who we are. You can keep playing. We're not done. <laughs> but think about this for a moment. What if? No, you keep playing. This is part of it. What if Adam were with you every moment of your day? With a bag over his head. You're at your staff meeting tomorrow at 9 one that you don't want to be at, right? And Adam's back there playing. You know it's going to be boring, but Adam's playing this festive song. And you're just like, wow, this is such a great meeting. Or you're doing your expense reports. And nobody likes doing expense reports. There might be one person here who enjoys doing that. We love you. We're glad you're at part of the journey. What if he's playing? It's like, wow, I really like doing expense reports. Or you're cleaning your house. Adam's there playing. Or you're making dinner. Adam's there playing. You're sitting down and you're having dinner. Adam's there playing. What if you're with your spouse and you're making out and getting ready to be? I'm just kidding. I don't really think about that. <laughs> There's something about the music, right? It motivates us. It's emotional. I'm going to ask him to play something a little bit softer. I want to read a few things to you this morning. Again, most music motivates us. It heightens our senses. And if you're a single mom or a single dad, you're working hard to take care of your children. You feel like you have nothing left to give. But remember, God has greater things in store for you. If you're struggling financially and wonder how you're going to make it through the month, remember God has greater things in store for you. If you're sitting at the bottom of the organizational chart at work, you may be thinking you will never move up, but remember God has greater things in store for you. If you're struggling with your health, but working out and eating healthy or tough on you, remember your body is God's temple and God has greater things in store for you. If your past feels like weights pulling down, Wherever you go, remember, God sent Jesus to this earth to release those weights and as greater things in store for you. When we have music in the background, it takes us to this place where emotionally those feelings are there. But what happens when the music stops? What happens when the music fades away? Who are we at that moment when that takes place? Are we able to keep moving when the music's done? We show up here on a Sunday morning and we spend this time together in this place. And um, what took place before you got here? For some of us, it was chaos. It was terrible. It was horrible. And yet, we come here and we come in this room and we sing together. That's on purpose. We do that on purpose to get us into this, this emotional place where that when whoever's up here speaking, we're ready to receive whatever God has in store for us at that moment, right? That's why we sing. Some of you noticed last week we turned the lights down in here. We turned them all the way off during our music time. We did that on purpose. Part of that is because guys don't sing. Guys don't like, it's true, guys don't like to sing. And if they feel like somebody's watching them, they're not going to sing. Let's turn the lights down so guys will sing. Why? We want people to get in this moment so that you're ready for what's going to take place, what God has in store for us here. That's why we sing together. That's why we worship together. But what takes place when you leave? What happens when you jump in your car? Your kids get in the car and they start screaming and yelling. You're like, I thought you were just downstairs learning about Jesus. I mean, what's going on right now? You're trying to figure out why are you fighting? Or maybe before you came here this morning, you had a a battle, an all-out war with your spouse. And you're still harboring that anger that's there. Now, you came to this place, and and you walked in, and you smiled. And there's a big smile on your face. And it's a fake smile, but you're smiling. You're smiling right now. When you leave, you're going to be smiling. But then you're going to get in your car, and that tension is still going to be there. What happens when the music goes away? What happens in our lives once we leave this place? Our hope is that when you come in here, this is the moment you connect with God and that it somehow can take you through the rest of this week, that we can live differently because of what we experience, because of, if you will, the music has been playing in our lives. But what happens when the music stops? Can we be faithful to God when the music's not there? Can we be faithful to God when times continue to be tough? Can Can we be faithful to God when life happens? That's the real test of who we are. It's not being here in this place. It's when the music, the music stops, are we still able to be who God has created us to be? Elisha, in this moment, he asked for a harpist to get him into this, this mode to connect him with God so that it then, then he could bring on what God had intended. And I think sometimes for us, being here in this place is the moment that we connect with God so that we can be who God created us to be out in the world beyond these walls. If We look at our story, as it continues on in verse 16, it says this it says, "And he said, "This is what the Lord says, I will fill this valley with pools of water. For this is what the Lord says, "You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle and your other animals will drink." This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your." hands there's a better translation here of that verse 16 it says then he said this is what the lord says dig ditch after ditch in this wadi dig ditch after ditch in this wadi um these guys are tired they are worn out now they're fighters they're warriors i know that there are soldiers in this room and. They train you for this kind of thing, right? If you don't have water, you don't have food, you're tired, you don't want to do anything, they train you to keep doing no matter what we tell you to do. This is what's happening here. These guys are tired, they're dehydrated, they're thirsty. Seven days they've been wandering around, and now all of a sudden this guy comes up and says, hey, you want some water? Yeah, we'd like some water. (laughs) Here's what God wants you to do. Dig some ditches. And I just need you to dig ditches. That's it. That's not what they wanted the answer to be, right? Right? There's a story with Moses where God goes to Moses because the Israelites are real thirsty. And God says, hey, Moses, hit that rock over there. Water's going to come out. Moses, whenever he hit the rock, hit a little bit too hard, and it cost him his life. But anyway, uh, the water flows. And what happened? They could drink the water, right? This is probably what they're hoping for. Oh, we're going to get a Moses moment. Whew. I don't want to do it. I can hardly even stand up. And, And Elisha comes back and says, hey, here's what God says. Dig ditches. But we're tired. Dig ditches. We're dehydrated. Dig ditches. I don't feel very good. I can't see. There's like three of you. I don't care. Just keep digging ditches. Dig the ditches, and God will send the rain. Our expectation is that when we pray, when we ask God for something in our life, our expectation is that God will send it right then and there. We think it's going to happen momentarily. We don't want to wait. We don't want to be patient. In fact, it's, it's hard for us to... To even think about that sometimes because what happens when it's not in our favor? Because we expect that. I know these warriors, they expected this to be simple and easy, but it wasn't. God says, hey guys, I want you to dig some ditches. And if you dig the ditches, then I'll send the rain and the water will begin to flow. I know that's not what they wanted to hear. Oh, and by the way, there was no time frame given. It wasn't like, hey, do this, and as soon as you get done, the water's coming. Or do this, it's going to come tomorrow or in a couple of days or a couple of hours. It wasn't like that. I was like, just do this. Dig these ditches, and I will send the water to you. God promises the rain will come, but they had to be willing to dig the ditches. I think sometimes for us it's tough because we need to understand before God can do something easy, we may have to do something hard. Before you and I can do something, or before God can do something hard or easy, I guess confusing after you keep saying it, but um, <laughs> we've got to do some hard things like digging the ditches. I think about this for a moment. Um, I know that there are quite a few families in our church that have struggled with having kids. And you've prayed, maybe for years. You've tried every method you could think of to make that happen. You've done everything that you could. And you know what some of you have been doing? Keep digging ditches. You've been digging them for a long time. And you know what God did? God sent some rain. God sent the water. And then I know there's others of you in here. Man, you've been digging those ditches. And that child's still not coming. The rain's still not flowing. And you're wondering, where is God in this? Can I just encourage you? Don't stop digging ditches. I don't know what God's going to do. But don't stop digging ditches. Maybe for you at your marriage, you're struggling. It was a burden. It was hard. And you're thinking in your mind, why did I marry this individual? And you know what? You, you took steps. You began the process of praying. You began the process of counseling. You did everything you could. You were digging those ditches. You know what God did? God sent the rain, God sent the water. And your marriage is the best that it's ever been. But again, I know there's others of us in here. You struggle with your marriage, you struggle with that relationship and you don't want to dig any more ditches. You're, you're so tired. You just want to give up, give in, move on. Can I encourage you? Keep digging those ditches. Somehow, someway God's going to send the rain your way. Maybe for others. I know we have quite a few single parents in our family here at the at the journey. And when you're a single parent, you're everything. You are waking the kids up, you're putting them to bed, you're their counselor, you're their provider, you're their protector, you answer every question that they ask throughout the day. I mean, this is who you are. And you know what's been happening in your life? And you've been digging ditches for a long time. And I don't know what that looks like, but God has done something in your life and brought the water and you're in a different place. You've got a community of people that are around you, family members that are around you that are helping you in this moment. All because you dug those ditches over and over and over again on your own. And yet I know there's others in here that you're in that place and you're like, this is, this is too much. I can't keep doing this. Can I encourage you, keep digging those ditches because God will send the rain. Uh, we could sit here this morning, we could talk about all these different things, about where we are in our life and say, hey, this is where you were. This is what God has sent in your way. This is the rain. And, hey, this is where you are and you're still struggling. Keep digging those ditches. We could do that for all of us in here. Can I encourage us all, no matter what, just to keep digging those ditches? Sometimes, before God can do something easy, we have to do something hard. Sometimes that means digging ditches for years, maybe decades. But I truly believe God will send the rain. How do we do that? I think part of that is just continue to pray. Keep praying to God keep reading scripture maybe you're like i've never read the bible before in my life go to the book of proverbs it's all proverbs read one verse every day just read one hold on to that every day write it down whatever it may be but keep our noses and our hearts and souls into the scripture and keep humble i think part of the reason that we keep digging ditches and sometimes we feel like well god's not doing anything is because you and i start to get in the way we begin to take control of what's happening And God's like, no, 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 I need you to give up. I need you to give up who you are, everything about you. I need you to just fully be into digging these ditches. And if you do that and you're humble, I'm going to send the rain your way. That water will come and it will flow. I don't know what your ditch is. You know what the ditch is that you need to dig. You know what it is. But I truly believe God will send the rain. We find that here in this last verse, verse 20. It says the next morning about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Those armies had to do something hard when things were tough, and yet God blessed them with the rain. He blessed them with the water. The water was there that next day, and they had plenty to drink. When we talk about your next steps coming out of today, you've got to figure out what that ditch is you need to dig. What area of your life do you need to be humble about and give yourself up to God and say, my expectation is you answer this prayer quickly, but, but I'm going to start digging ditches, God, and I'm going to see where this takes us. What is that ditch for you on a personal level? And can I say this too? As a church, I want us to dig ditches together. This isn't just about individuals. This is about us as a group too. Our staff, you can ask them. I'm having them dig ditches. We're here digging some ditches, some really deep ditches. I don't know what, we're not putting bodies there, I promise you that, but we're going to do some good things, right? And here's why. We believe God is going to send even more rain and water on this church so that we can do more amazing things in this community and in this world. But you know what we're going to do as a staff? We're going to dig ditches. You know what we're going to do with our leaders? We're going to ask you to dig ditches. And some of you are jumping right in. It's amazing just kind of seeing how many people are beginning to jump into leadership roles and serving That's all what this is all about. It's about digging these ditches so God can send the rain to us so that we have water to drink. What is your next step personally? What is it as a church? And can you and I be encouraged that when things are hard and we're digging those ditches, that God will do easy things by sending the water? We come here on a Sunday and we take this communion together. And um, hopefully as it is for me it's an encouragement it's a moment where you and i are reminded that we are called to dig ditches that that jesus when he was heading back into heaven said go he didn't say sit around hang out don't do anything read the paper no he he said go he said go into the world go and dig some ditches and if you dig those ditches greater things are going to happen we're called to that this morning as we take this together i pray that you will Think about what that ditch is in your life you need to dig and what your expectation is and what the reality is and what God wants to do because God will send the rain.